Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Ed Withrow across the Outkick Network. Solid Monday night football uh, matchup in both instances. We've got plenty of takeaways uh, from both games coming up throughout the show. Chad, my, my one beef is we kick off hour number two. I, I'm so over the split screen, picture in picture, of one game on ABC, one game on ESPN, and then forcing us to watch both games, even as the Giants game goes final. I'm sure you've noticed this too. Big moments are happening in Miami, and we're watching Tommy DeVito go up and, you know, speak and hug and high-five and do other things with uh, his teammates and the, the opposition while the Titans and Dolphins are going back and forth. Dolphins with the football with a minute and a half to play. I don't need to know that that's happening on ABC at that current time. It's an unnecessary flex by the Disney Corporation in that they've got both games and they're flexing how they're showing both games at once. When in reality, if you're on the network that has that game, it's because now bear with me here, Hutton, you want to watch that game and not the other one. So you're going to make the money and get the eyeballs of people watching each game. You don't need to show everyone that, hey, we as a company also have this other game. Because if you go to ESPN last night, you're going there to watch Dolphins-Titans. If you go to ABC, you're going there to watch Giants-Packers. Do you know where all the revenue goes? To the same place. So it doesn't matter what people are watching at any given time. They want to watch the one game that they tuned into that channel to watch and not both games in a split screen. It drives me insane when I see that, Hutton. Yeah, it's just a flex. And I I like the fact that SVP is giving us score updates. But that's all about it. It's great. You can come back from break and give an update, but don't go split screen. That's right. Jim Nagy joins us with kickoff uh, hour number two for Hot Mike with Hutton with Row Cross the Outkick Network. He's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. We're, Jim we're, hates split screens, too. Yeah, I can tell. yeah absolutely. <laughs> Even I, though we have one up right now. Hey, this is the only split screen yeah, he Yeah, you got to have the conversation here. Hey, uh, Jim, thanks for joining us, man. Hope all is well. Yeah, yeah, guys. Good to be on. What, uh, what, what do you make of Tommy DeVito and the run that he's on right now? <laughs> uh, I wish I had him in the Senior Bowl last year. I'd be a cool <laughs> guy to be following. Um no, I, you know, not just Tommy I and mean, Tommy's a great story. I mean, for any rookie, I mean, let alone an undrafted guy, it's similar to like when we talked about Tyson Bajan yeah. with the Chicago bears, who was in the senior bowl last year, really similar story, undrafted guys kind of thrown into the mix and they're, and they're making the best of a, of a tough situation and, and really leading to, um, you know, probably average offensive rosters. If we're, if we're being, if we're being honest, um, to wins in the NFL and it's a hard league to win. And so, Really cool story, and then I, I love the uh, the side the side story with Sean Stellato, his his agent, who uh, I talked to quite a bit on the phone about players. So uh, Sean's become kind of a media darling here the last twenty four hours after his uh, outfit popped up on the uh, on the pregame show last night. So now it's uh, it's it, there there it is there it is it all there's fits, Sean. doesn't it? it yeah. All, it Does the, he sound like a guy that wears that fedora when you talk to him on the phone? <laughs> he he talks very fast. I love Sean. He talks very fast, though. Um, yeah, we have we. I, I, it does. It fits. It fits. So, uh, in regards to the quarterback discussion, um, Jake Browning, another example of jumping in the mix and what they're doing in Cincinnati. Uh, Browning's skill set fits that offense very well. 
do you expect it to continue based on what you know of the quarterback? Um, you know, he surprised me, honestly. No, it's Same. been a, a number. It's, it's been a number of years since Jake came out of school. So this guy's had a lot of time in the NFL. He's played in other leagues. He's grown a lot as a player. Um, coming out of college, did I see this? No, I would not have, I would not have seen this from Jake Brown and coming out of college. So, um, you know, and I think it's some of that time in the other leagues helps these guys, man. That's why I really am excited about this XFL USFL merger. It's great for all these guys. I mean, you're just getting reps, you're getting physical reps. You would have never gotten before. So Jake's at a different point right now as a quarterback than I would have seen. Um, but I do think he's a, he's a great fit for what they're doing. Um, Bengals philosophically, they've got a guy now that that kind of mirrors what Joe Burrow was. I mean, they're pretty similar. You don't have to change your offense, so I think that's a good thing. And you know, back to Devito, I think what's making what's making it work for him and what it you know helped Tyson Bajan out as well is the mobility part. You know, I mean, the game's going to move fast for those guys when they get to that level, um, and you can't just sit back there and, and be a sitting duck when when you're when you're trying to figure out what you're looking at. So you got to be able to move around. Um, I thought DeVito was a real threat last night with his legs. And we saw that with Tyson when he played too. So when you're looking at these, you know, this next wave of quarterbacks for this year's draft class, um, some of these down the line guys that look like they're going to hit, I mean, really watch the athlete. Let's see how mobile they are. Senior bowl coming up February 4th. Jim Nagy is the executive director of the Reese's senior bowl and uh, juniors will be a part of this as well. Uh, as far as quarterback development goes across college football with the transfer portal, I, Chad and I were having a discussion uh, 15 minutes or so about about uh are we seeing the same type of development from a qb in college as they move into professional football i would imagine that's very difficult if you're jumping around and trying to match skill set with system and then learning said system just for a year for a flash have you noticed that since 2021 doing what you're doing i'll say a couple things um in terms of the development you know, these guys, in a lot of cases, they're not getting the on-field reps they need. So they're, they're going to find other places to do so. And I mean, I think Bo Nix is a, is a great example of that. He played right away at Auburn and now we've got a guy with 60 career starts, which is a, an amazing case, but that's not always the case. You got guys like Joe Milton. We just got a commitment from, from Joe Milton from Tennessee the other day, you know, and it, it took Joe really five years to become the guy, you know, he spent all that time in Ann Arbor um, and then goes to Knoxville and sits behind him in hooker and, and this was his football team. So even though he's in school a long time, like he didn't really get a chance to develop too much on the football field. Um, but where I think these guys are ahead, and someone asked me the question the other day in the media about Joe Melton in particular, um, and just said, you know, from that Tennessee offense, is it going to be difficult for him coming down there to the senior bowl, running a lot of NFL concepts? I said, it really shouldn't be. He spent three years at Michigan, you know? So, so these guys, they probably are a little further ahead just mentally, um, they're exposed to so many different offenses now when they're when they're transferring that um, I think in some cases they're actually ahead of the game. With Joe Milton, what is the number one thing NFL people need to see from him at, at this event when he gets down there? Is it going to be the interview process, talking through the game? What what do they need to see from Joe Milton? I think the interview process is going to be fine because you guys were around him at SEC Media Days. He's got a ton of charisma. I mean, this guy can take over a room now. Um, he feels comfortable any situation he's in, like even watching him down there in the Manning camp this summer around all the other guys, like he was, you know, he's, he's kind of got some it factor to him. Uh, he's a cool kid. Uh, I think the biggest thing is going to be the accuracy part. You know, I think everyone can look back to when Josh Allen was in the senior bowl and I mean, everyone's got a story, how a ball came flying into the stands and, and Josh wasn't the most accurate guy. 
And now we've seen how that panned out. I think, I think if you're in a draft room right now and you're fighting for Joe Milton and you're trying to make a cause for your team to draft Joe Milton, you're pointing at Josh Allen. And then you're just going back to last year with Anthony Richardson, because, you know, a year ago at this time, I had a conversation just about a year ago at this time, I had a conversation with the GM talking about Anthony Richardson. He said, Jim, you could make an unbelievable highlight tape of this guy and you could make a pretty bad low light tape of this guy as well. I think you could say something similar about Joe. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be the fourth overall pick in the draft, but people that think that Joe Milton's going to like slide and slide on draft day and get into like the fifth round, that that's not going to happen. I mean, this guy's, he, he's huge. He's a good athlete. He has a rare arm. Um, that's going to be must, must watch TV there. Just, just <laughs> with Joe Milton down here. Um, but if Anthony Richardson goes four overall to Indianapolis, I don't think Joe Milton's, you know, I think there's a good chance he ends up going on day two. What is the discussion like, Jim, behind the scenes for you, trying to convince player A, player B, player C to come to the Senior Bowl instead of just working out on his own? It, it, is it more than that? Is it with, the, with, with his representative? What, how long does the process actually take? There's not a lot of it. It's a great question. Um, thank God there's not a lot of that. Most of these guys get the invite and they're, they're, they're jacked up about it and they jump on it. I'm actually going to have one of those phone calls later this afternoon with a player. Um, you know, I think we're greatly past that. But when I do, here, here's my pitch is that, you know, again, I'm not disparaging the scouting community. I was a scout for 20 years. Those are my people. That's who I am. Um, but it's a lot, you know, it's one thing to be in a draft room and have someone like me talking about, you know, I, I was at I was in Knoxville and I saw Joe Milton do this in practice and I saw him make this throw. And here's what the people in the building say about him. It's an entirely different thing when you're trying to build buy in factor in a draft room when he's been around your head coach, when he's been around your GM, when he's been around your personnel directors and they've seen him and they've felt him and they've talked to him. Um, it's just it's just a lot easier. Those are the, those guys are making the decisions. And, and they're just, they're just normal guys too. They're, yeah. you know, like they might have a big title and they might make a lot of money. Um, but I think we're all just humans and we're all just trying to surround ourselves with people we're familiar with and comfortable with in the workplace. Um, and so why wouldn't you come to mobile and spend a week with these guys that are really going to determine, you know, the, the, the fate of your career. I think if I, if I told you coming out of high school that you could come to an event with all 32 head coaches or, at least all, all 32 GMs, we probably get somewhere, you know, 20 to 25 head coaches come to the game. But if you could be around all these guys that are going to decide your NFL fate, you would go, right? And I think 100% of high school kids would say, yeah. You know, and then, you know, fast forward four years and, and they have the opportunity. Um, and I get it when there's guys, if, if a guy's going to be a top 10 pick, like a lock top 10 pick, I'm not talking about the, the mock draft stuff and what right. the media is talking about. But if he's getting real feedback from NFL scouts, you know, through usually his college head coach, that he's a lock top 10 pick and you don't want to risk injury, I get it. Outside of that, I think our game has a ton of value. Is there a trend at a position? Meaning, uh, are you speaking, other than quarterback, are you speaking with a position group more often than not trying to get some that next tier group to attend? Or is it just across the board about the same? It's just, yeah, it's case by case. I would say the guys that are most fired up that jump on the invites the quickest are the offensive linemen. Um, not a lot of prima donnas in that group. I mean, that's why right now we, we, we just got two commitments today that we, we haven't pushed yet. Um, another guy that could go in the first round. I think we've got six or seven, eight maybe offensive linemen that could all be first round picks this year. 
And I think a lot of those guys are going to go. I think you, you've seen the offensive line play, play around the league this year. Um, I think there's going to be a run on those guys, and I think it's going to happen pretty early. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's case by case. You know, you know, the DBs, our DB group right now, we've already got over 20 defensive backs committed to come play in the game. So it's, it's kind of a one-off, I would say. How can Spencer Rattler help himself once he gets down to Mobile? I think with Spencer, it is the interviews. You know, I think the, the arm talent is there. I think everyone knows that. I think as we talked about on, on the show a bunch this fall, I think he was able to to really showcase more mobility than he has in the past playing, you know, behind it at times a, a shaky offensive line situation. Um, so I really think it's going to come down to how he, how he does in the interviews. Cause I think the on the field part stuff will be really good. Um, and I think the interviews will too, based off what Shane Beamer and those guys say in South Carolina, but he is going to have to answer some questions about, unfortunately, you know, he was part of a TV show in high school with, with TV cameras in his face as a 17 year old. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to have to answer some of those questions. Um, but I really feel like he's matured. And I think South Carolina staff has really cleaned a lot of those questions up. So I, but I do think the interviews will be big for him. Another guy that you've got committed for the senior bowl, someone I'm very interested in big receiver, Johnny Wilson from Florida state. What are you looking forward to seeing with him when he gets down to mobile? Uh, the red zone period would probably be the biggest thing. Um, I've joked around if these teams, and, and we've seen this now, um, we saw this a couple of years ago for the first time. I'd never seen it before. I'd never worked for a team that ever did this. Um, we had a receiver here in Mobile, Jalen Tolbert, at the University of South Alabama. And uh, we had his draft party, and he showed up at the draft party that night. It was it was the first night of the draft, so Thursday night. And he and I were just talking, you know, confidentially and, and you know, what teams were interested and he said, you know, it's really weird, Jim, a couple of days ago, Dak Prescott called me and we talked for like an hour and a half. And he was, you know, we were going, we were going through different, you know, formations and play calls. And, uh, and so the Dallas Cowboys used Dak Prescott that year and they took Jalen in the third round of that draft, right? Now he's their, their third, fourth receiver, getting some really good time for him, but they used the quarterback. I've said this, if, if, if teams brought their quarterbacks to Mobile this year, every quarterback in the league would be pounding the table for Johnny Wilson, because this dude is, he's over six, six. Um, and that's not in the media guide. That's not on the website. That's what the NFL scouts got him at in the spring. He's, he's six foot six and in an eighth of an inch, he's 240 pounds. He's got like a seven foot wingspan, 84 inch wingspan. So, uh, he's truly one of those guys you can just throw it up to. And, uh, we all know all the quarterbacks want that. So I think those red zone periods when he's going against smaller DBs and just uh, his ability to, to really big boy people, um, will be what most teams are looking for. Final minute here, Jim, uh, from the scouting aspect, were, were the games that you attended during the regular season for guys more important than bowl season? Because I know games are limited in the bowls, but they're scattered and teams try to rank the bowl games they would like to attend. How important is the next month or so for NFL scouting departments in person? I'll say this. It's really weird. Not many people know this. You, you, you go into a lottery system as a team. Um, if you're, let's say you're the Tennessee Titans and you, you got six games you want your scouts to go to, you put in for those, the lottery for those six games, you might not get it. You might get, and then what happens is you'll get like four other games you don't want to go to. And then you find out which teams are going to the games you want and you start trading and stuff. But, um, no, I, I would say for, for the most part, the haze in the barn yeah. for these guys. I mean, if they have a great bowl game performance, especially in a game where there's a matchup, like a one-on-one mass, matchup, a pass rusher against a tackle, 
you can always help yourself. But for the most part, um, the book has been written so far in terms of the college season. And now we, we get ready to go into the spring. Jim Nagy is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Joins us weekly. We break down uh, the top talent headed to the NFL. Talent is needed, especially on offense and up front on the offensive line. Jim, thank you as always. And we will catch up next week. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, yeah, Jim. As always. Uh, Chad, next week I want to discuss J.J. McCarthy with him. A lot of chatter about J.J. McCarthy and where he's going to end up in the first round of the NFL draft. Can't wait. John McClain joins us next. We recap what happened last night on Monday night. I'm Mike with Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us and pleased to be joined by John McClain. Joins us weekly. We talk all of the NFL headlines, the rumors, the hot seats, the upsets, and more. John, good to see you. Hope things are well. Have you guys had Sean's Delato on yet? <laughs> We're trying. We're efforting right now, John. We want him yeah. and his fedora on this show he's immediately. He's uh, shopping he's, for suits right now, John. Yeah, he's been... Uh, He's, they said uh, a friend of mine is in New York is talking about all the talk shows up there talking about him. W fan was the name Tommy DeVito MVP, the way he's going. Tommy DeVito called his agent Sean Stellano, the Italian stallion of sports agents. It's, it's a great story, even better than Will Levis. He looks like a guy that's got a guy for everything, John, when I, when I see him. He's got, yeah. he's got a guy for everything. Yeah, he's, he's, He's a guy you need when you need a guy. Yep. How The Miami Dolphins losing in that fashion to the Tennessee Titans and knowing that the Bears get a victory and you start looking around uh, at the other upsets this weekend, the Giants win last night. There are some teams that are trying to find their positioning for the postseason. They're still leading their divisions. But, John, teams that just aren't grabbing wins – in crucial moments that will come back to bite them in terms of Miami, how do you view them right now? The fact that they lost when they're trailed by 14 in the last three minutes and the way the Titans came back, uh, played great defense and great offense led by Will Levis and DeAndre Hopkins. It was monumental. They went from having home field advantage in the AFC, they lost it to Baltimore. There's no great team in the AFC. To me, the three best teams are in the NFC, 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles. You know, I don't think the Ravens are a great team. You know, the Chiefs right now are great at whining because they haven't been in this position for a while. And it's amazing because it was supposed to be just the opposite. Not only is it a great race for not who is the worst team in football, but right behind Carolina, and it's a race to see who is the best team right behind the 49ers who obliterated the Cowboys and the Eagles. So I love crunch time, the December and January now stretch drive. And that game, those games last night, I wish they hadn't been simultaneous. Yeah, I wish they had uh, staggered start times, but they were so exciting, led by rookie quarterbacks, improbable come from behind victories. And a lot of embarrassment. Speaking of embarrassment, I saw perhaps the biggest in the NFL, Texans, who had won four and five, go to the Jets. Jets had scored two offensive touchdowns during their five-game uh, losing streak. 
and they force Zach Wilson back in the lineup. All he does is throw for 301 yards. They knock C.J. Stroud out with concussion. We don't think he'll be playing against the Titans. And and they just, boy, they embarrassed themselves. And that seems to be what's going on around the league. And it's a tribute to players, but also coaches like Mike Vrabel, who have their team still making big plays to pull off upsets at a time when they could be more concerned about high draft choices. Was that Jets performance you saw, John, against the Texans, was that a tribute to Robert Sala? Is that a tribute to Zach Wilson? I'll be the first to admit, I did not see any performance like that from Zach Wilson coming at any point, given what we've seen from him. What was the biggest shock to you, and and what do you think it says about Robert Sala and and this Jets team? I'll tell you what was the biggest shock to me, Chad. Like, you had one of the worst offensive coordinators ever, Nathaniel Hackett, Terrible play caller. He proved it. He had Zach Wilson, who was awful, an offensive cha- offensive challenged uh, team with uh, issues and coaching, with controversy surrounding Sala's job, Joe Douglas's job, as well as Zach Wilson's job. We know he's going to be gone, and they come out nothing to lose. Texans acted like they didn't want to play in the rain, and it rained, but it wasn't cold and it wasn't windy. And it was 0-0 at halftime. And I thought the Texans, who have lost, I'm sorry, who have played eight consecutive games, settled in the last 30 seconds, none by more than seven points, would keep it close, whether they won or lost. And the Jets scored 30 points in the second half. And they lose Nico Collins, their best receiver. They lose C.J. Stroud, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, on top of losing Tank Dell, the great rookie receiver the week before. So they the Jets just crushed them, stomped on them. And now D'Amico Ryans needs to do what Mike Vrabel has done, get his team up to go somewhere and win a game when your team is down. John, I do want to get your response to the, the wild finish of that Chiefs-Bills game on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes has since apologized for, for his reaction and behavior. Uh, during the during the post game, during the aftermath of that call, what did you make of the call? What did you make of Mahomes' response, and for that matter, Andy Reid's negative response to it as well? Well, I thought both of them made a fool out of themselves because they're not used to losing. It's something they're not going to accept it. But uh, for them to be whining like that, because Tony was offsides, he was clearly offsides, blatantly offsides, and and we all saw it, and. What I saw Mahomes apologize for not was was not so much going off after the game blasting the officials, but it was because he complained to Josh Allen just at a time when Josh Allen was really excited about winning. But uh, I thought the Chiefs have not been playing well. They've had issues at wide receiver. And when you're a wide receiver, such a dumbass, he can't just look at the ball and see he's offside. He should be the subject of your ire not the officials. Has he spoken, John? That's one thing we've seen responses from Andy Reid and everyone else. I don't know that I've read a single quote from Kadarius Tony about That's that good play. good point. I haven't, I haven't read it, haven't heard it, hadn't seen anything on social media. I believe they'll have to talk Wednesday, and he probably should just fall on the sword and say, yes, I'm a dumbass. How about Joe Flacco? Um, Jets may look like a bit like a dumbass for not bringing him on since he was so close there and wanting to play. Uh, but what about his performance and this Browns team that 
with that great defense, John, continues to find a way to win enough and hang around. They won games with four different quarterbacks. The first team to do that since the Texans and Bill O'Brien's second season. And their defense has given up a lot of points now. That was not the case early. But it's, you know, we talk about Tommy DeVito and Will Levis and other quarterbacks who come off the bench to engineer victories. But Joe Flacco was on his sofa three weeks ago. It's obvious he was working out. They would have won his first start, but he threw a bad interception at the end of the game. But, man, he's come back. He's played well. Of course, he's rested. Sure, a lot of quarterbacks would like to feel as frisky as Flacco's back turn 39. It's a great story. They had to put him on waivers to get him back on the practice squad. Team could have claimed him. Team could have claimed, could sign him off the practice squad, but he can refuse to go, and he don't want to go anywhere. But Cleveland, what happens if he plays, continues to play well, and he looks good in the playoffs, and then they come back next year, he's 39 years old, and they have their quarterback with $230 million guaranteed with a cap figure of 60-something million, what do they do? Do they keep the old guy? I'm sure they'll keep it, but man, oh man, every time Watson doesn't play well, fans are going to be chanting, flag go, flag go. John, if Sean Payton takes Denver to the postseason, is he coach of the year? There's a lot of good coaching jobs going on. Payton has one of them. I just watched the Texans beat him two weeks ago, but they come back and they beat the Chargers. And that's not that big a deal. They still play the Chargers again in Denver. Now they get him without Justin Herbert. But there's no doubt he's done a tremendous job after a slow start. Kevin Stefanski's done a great job. You know, the top candidate, Dan Campbell, he's out. At one point, Mike McDaniel's out. Now D'Amico Ryans, who moved up from third to second. And even though they lost to the Jets, he's now the betting favorite in Vegas. But if the Titans beat him, then he's going to drop down. It wouldn't surprise me if Sean Payton doesn't move up there because while Russell Wilson's not playing great, he's playing a lot better, even though I watched him throw three interceptions and lose to the Texans. Home field advantage does not matter all that much in the National Football League anymore. But it matters. Well, say it again. I was just going to say not anymore, but the yeah. only time it's really advantage to me is if the weather's bad. Right. And you're outdoors and you're playing a team that's used to playing indoors. Why does it matter so much to Dallas at home? Because they win and win and win and win at home. And are you buying the Dallas Cowboys this year after back-to-back divisional losses to San Francisco after 12-win regular seasons? At home? You know, if they could get home field advantage, but they got to finish a game ahead of the 49ers, doesn't look like that's going to happen. They have a difficult schedule. They, well, we think it's difficult. They got to play Miami, and the Titans just embarrassed the Dolphins. They play Buffalo this week. I Buffalo. think Buffalo. They've got a much tougher schedule than Philadelphia. Um, what it looks like is they'll get a home game. They win. They're going to be playing the 49ers again. And uh, do we see them winning in Santa Clara against the best team in football? Uh, I hope they get that far. And then they're going to lose, and then their fans are going to be crushed because right now, all their fans, they're talking Super Bowl for the first time since, what, since most people in the country weren't born? <laughs> yeah, the 90s. That's right. Speaking of uh, uh, a lot of people not being born the last time this team had a lot of success, how about the Detroit Lions? Bears 28, Lions 13 on Sunday, John. Is this 
The Lions now at nine and four. Is this a situation they can easily correct and pull themselves out of, or are you seeing some issues this Lions team they simply can't correct this season? Chad, like I, I thought they were going to run away with division. Thought they were going to be in the running for home field advantage. I watched a couple of guys on the pregame show pick them to lose to the Bears at Soldier Field, and I thought, man, you guys are off your rocker. No way. With this game meaning so much, them in the running for home field advantage, are they going to lose to the Bears? And not only did they lose, they got clobbered. And I'll tell you, team's going to have an issue. Bears going to have first pick. Justin Fields is playing better, doesn't have a lot of weapons around him. How do they make that evaluation to take him, Caleb Williams, maybe Drake May? They got a difficult decision coming. It's a good one, but uh, it's good that the Bears have Carolina's pick because the Bears are doing enough, it looks like, to save Matt Eberflus's job before they have to make that monumental decision when it comes to the franchise. But the Lions, Dan Campbell says he's going to have to get a little more ornery, and I guess he's capable of doing it, but they've got to do something because they're going to win the division. You know, the Packers blowing that game to the Giants, inexcusable to Tommy DeVito if they did. And so they'll win the division, but boy, they could be a one and done based on how they're playing right now. Is Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy your MVP currently? Ooh, if Prescott could play all those games at home, it'd be him. Uh, he gets more attention. Purdy plays for the best team. Both of them have been fabulous. People talk about, well, Purdy does it because he's got great weapons, like Christian McCaffrey, and of course his array of receivers and tight ends, George Kittle. But they they've got some pretty good weapons in Dallas. Uh, there's a big run right now for Dak Prescott. But if people have to think about it, if it's a tie, look what happened in the game. Those two played against each other. If I can't make up my mind, I'm going to look at that. If that's the case, you're going to vote for Brock Purdy. How worried are you about Philadelphia, who will play on Monday night against Seattle? Philadelphia's schedule now, which was the toughest in the league, they played more teams with winning records than anybody. Seattle is, has a winning record. Do the Seattle have a winning not, record? Not anymore. They're now six and seven. Okay, they're six and seven. So the schedule gets easier. I think they'll bounce back. But we got to remember, guys, no Super Bowl loser other than New England has gone back to the Super Bowl since the Steelers in the 90s. And so I think uh, it's hard for whatever reason. You would think the Super Bowl loser would be the hungriest team in the NFL, but they just – struggled to put it back together. Eagles were a house house on fire, running over everybody. And now uh, they're, they're going to get a – they might not beat the Cowboys for the best team in the NFC East. It's been a long time since a team repeated as champions in the NFC East, and that might happen again with the Cowboys supplanting them as division titles. Final 30 seconds, John. Another big one on Sunday night. The Ravens visit Jacksonville a big game for the Jaguars. Jaguars have not been good at home. I think they've lost twice as many as they've won. They've been really good. One loss on the road. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, it's amazing. I thought he's going to have to have his leg amputated yeah. and he comes back and he plays with an ankle injury. He's going to have a hard time getting better against that Ravens defense. I'm going with Baltimore. Some uh, crazy other matchups but you look at the records you're like not a good game but i'm thinking bucks packers you've got broncos lions chad going back to the detroit matchup there steelers colts this is a weekend of if 
if you want to get in, win these it's games. It's going to be 15. fun, and we'll talk about all I'm with John McClain next yes, we week. Will. You're the man, John Thank McClain. You, John. Thank I you. look forward to it, guys. Thank you very much, as always. Sports Radio 610 is where you can find him. And also, uh, you can find him on social at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Chad, coming up, on the bus or off the bus? Go around sports, and I have a feeling Tommy DeVito will be brought up. I hope so. Tommy Cutlets? Cutlets. Maybe, Maybe the agent, agent as well. Too. That's next on Hotline with Ed Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick Store playing on a new field. New Outkick Store just launched, Chad. To celebrate, we're offering a buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. You can find favorite polos, t-shirts, and more when you visit shop.outkick.com. Score 50% off. All you got to do, visit shop.outkick.com. Add the items to your cart. Discount is automatically applied. Making it simple. And Chad's even willing to fold a shirt for you. I'm going to get that most likely to yell at the ref hat and send it to Kansas City for Patrick Mahomes after his outburst. That's good. Maybe he'll wear that. Yeah. We can have, you know, Clay. Inspired by Clay. Clay receives mail here. We can um, cut up a portion of that letter and put it in there as a, you know, verified piece make, of history. Let's make it happen. We do it all. We'll Certification. It all. I, I, as I said, I've offered to fold yeah. for those that want me to fold your shirt. I'm an expert at it. I can do that. Professional. Professional. Time to uh, go around city to city, town to town, on the bus, off the bus. Ah, what's up, gentlemen? How are we doing today? Ah, great, Davey. Wonderful. How are you? Where you can we? hear the enthusiasm in my voice Killer as we shades. get set to do this show. Where are we in this segment? We're starting in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Talk of the town, guys. It's Tommy DeVito. So, on the bus, off the bus, Tommy DeVito will start for a NFL franchise next season. I am on the bus with this. He will start a game for an NFL franchise next season. He is not going to be the franchise quarterback or said starter going into the season. Uh, but the way you have this written, yes, he will start a game in the NFL next season. Uh, uh, I'm going to say I'm on the bus. He's going to be the giant starter next year. I, I, I too often get way too wrapped up in these things. I get it. I probably also, if you went back to 2012, I said Jeremy Lin was going to be a five-year five you know, all-star. At some point, I may have said the same thing. Um, I think that he is going to play well enough and continue to do so that he's eventually going to be the giant starter. So I'm, I'm going to go on the bus. I just, I'm looking at this and thinking there's no way in hell if you are Brian Dayball, you can go with Tommy DeVito in a must-win type year if you survive this season. Well, uh, I, I and, also and look at it and think, are you going to go, go Daniel Jones in a must-win type year given Maybe. his injury history also? Yeah, uh, but... I mean, you you could have him as a backup for sure, you can, uh, and feel like you got a good yeah. backup option and be, with him, and with a chance to start a game, yes, and it, win with him. Chad, you mentioned the Jeremy Lin. This is pretty much the updated version of Lin Sanity for it is, yeah. New York football. It's a it's a good comparison there. All right, guys, we're going down. We also had another Monday Night Football game. This one happened in Miami, and Tua is not the Dolphins franchise quarterback. He looked really bad last night. I, I, I don't – I'm going to say off the bus on uh, anointing him not the guy long-term for Miami, but I, I've, I've got some concern watching him a couple times this year, and I, I just thought he couldn't stay on his feet last night. It's a very odd performance. He, he looked like a, a, a baby giraffe at times trying to move around. I, that, that part was very weird. He was not himself last night, not very good. 
I don't know, Hutton. What do you think? I, I, I'm off the bus with this. Two is their guy. They picked up his fifth-year option. He's guaranteed $24 million next year. Uh, they are moving forward with Tua Tagovailoa. I'll also say this. If you watch anything with Mike McDaniel and me watching the, the Hard Knocks in-season edition, I know that he kind of has to be this way as his offensive-minded head coach. He is all in on Tua. He loves the guy. Every interaction they have is positive at all times. And he's a pretty positive dude anyways. But if you're just reading body language of the head coach with his quarterback and what he says to him, I feel pretty confident saying he, he's the he guy completed moving forward. 70-something passes of his 100 pass attempts in the month of September. I'm looking at a four-game snapshot, uh, not a one-game snapshot that we were talking about last night. He passed for 1,000 yards in his first four games. He passed for eight touchdowns and two interceptions. I, I, he's, I think he's just fine the, within that offense. The reason I bring this up is because back this offseason, Tyreek Hill said he was going to call it quits after his current contract. So that means after the 2025 season, he's done. Uh, you just mentioned Tua. They picked up his contract for next year. So that would leave one year left with Tua and Tyreek. And I ask it because I looked it up on StatMuse. After the 2025 year, you're saying? That is when Tyreek, yeah, that's his contract's up, and that's when he said he wants to retire. Tua without Tyreek has a passer rating of 88.8 and 27 touchdowns and 15 interceptions in 23 games. And he was averaging 1,000, or sorry, 194 yards a game. Yeah, we, we had this earlier, Chad, in the season. He was averaging like 150 yards and a couple of scores uh, anytime those two started together. And if Not you, just when Hill was in the lineup. I mean, the good news Tua. is, though, he's got him for two more years. So he's the guy for two more years. I mean, if the question, Davey, is in 2026, do we see a huge decline? Now, keep well, in mind, without he is, Tyreek, he is I, under yeah, contract. I think that's a he fair He's under contract through 2026. The Dolphins have an out with him in 2025. That's the out of the contract where they can get out and not have a huge hit. But he, uh, Tyreek Hill is under contract through 2026. He will be a free agent currently again when he's 33 years old. Okay, I was just looking back. I saw an article, and it, it said that he – you might be right. They, they, he might go through 2026. Uh, he wanted to get to 10 seasons. He signed a four-year contract in 2022 for $120 million. Gotcha. So, but with Tyreek, his numbers are obviously a lot better. Pass rating of 105.1 with 49 touchdowns to 18 interceptions in 26 games and averages 278.7 yards a game. But just wanted to throw that out there. It's something we'll definitely be monitoring over the years to come, but moving right along. You know who would love that is uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think that their offense would look a little bit different if they held on yeah. to Tyreek. No, they did win a Super Bowl without him. That's true. We're heading over to Arlington, Texas. And Dak Prescott will win the MVP. Chad, I am off the bus with this. I, I, I don't I, trust Dak Prescott. Mm -mm. Interceptions will come. I have said this twice. I'll say it a third time. A month in the NFL is an eternity. And the team I'm confident in are the San Francisco 49ers. I'm confident in Philadelphia as well. And Jalen Hurts, while the last two weeks have not been pretty, he was also in the MVP conversation. Brock Purdy, who was deemed a bust of an elite quarterback talent uh, for a three-week span, is now, uh, at, at, at worst, second in the running for most valuable player right now. It's wide open. Dak Prescott has to put up some huge numbers against some good opponents. 
that's fine. He's been doing that. He's about to have to do it on the road. And I look at what the Eagles schedule looks like. And I also look at the best team in football in San Francisco and think, I can see the momentum turning towards Brock Purdy after one poor performance from Dak Prescott where it's more of the interception-prone quarterback than it is the touchdown thrower and on-fire scoreboard producer. I, I still, I think Prescott's way closer than before. So I'm, I'm way closer to on the bus on this, Davey, than I expected to be coming into it. I still think it's going to be Jalen Hurts. I think the schedule's going to lighten up for Jalen Hurts, and he's about to feast in the month of December moving forward now as that schedule gets easier. I think he's going to pad some stats. I think he would have won it a year ago had he not been injured for that short time. I'm still leaning Jalen Hurts. And it, it will be Prescott if Prescott just maintains what he's doing. Yeah. He can slip a little bit too, by the way. But if they continue to win at this pace, it's Prescott. I'm just not – I don't look at Dallas and think they're winning the division, going back to a previous discussion we had. I guess simply, do you think the division winner is the MVP? I think um, you're saying Brock Purdy. I'm thinking, I, yeah, I'm thinking Brock yeah, Purdy. Okay. I'm thinking Brock Purdy. I think it's Jalen Hurts. All right, guys. Well, Thursday night football, we go to Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, and, you know, Justin Herbert, done for the year. But Brandon Staley is fired if the Chargers lose to the Raiders on Thursday night football. I'm off the bus on this for this simple reason, and it's a question. Why is he not already fired? If he's not already fired, they're not going to fire him in season. I think they're going to ride this thing out to the end. Then he'll be fired on Black Monday after the regular season ends for the Chargers. So I don't think there's anything that Brandon Staley's going to do that's going to get him fired at this point. It's just the inevitable once the season is over. So no, not getting fired with a loss to the Raiders. No, and I, I'm with Chad here. I'm, I'm off the bus with this because uh, while it's – not going to happen in season it's the it's the inevitable that will happen on black monday staley's out after the season and he was out after the season prior to the injury to his quarterback because his defense wasn't helping his quarterback 500 quarterback deserves a lot more than being 500 raiders managed to put up zero this past week i'm curious what they'll do this week guys moving right along and at the end of the line we're going out to la and I've got a baseball one for you here. But the MLB should not allow the Dodgers or any team, for that matter, to defer a contract like they did with Otani. I'm on the bus with this uh, because it takes out – I mean, this was inevitable. This golden contract uh, and the, the landing spot seems, seems like it was the, the choice all along, Chad. Um, and uh, – I mean, the idea that you just defer, you can, you can defer this as long as you want to, right? If you've got the player that wants to be in the city and play for the franchise, to each his own. Otani's going to do this. and it, they, But the value here of the player internationally to defer the contract, to me, that's the competitive advantage in that is massive for the Dodgers than say the Atlanta Braves or you know the the East Coast teams based on when you're actually going to be playing your games and how easy it is to travel into said team to watch your favorite player from the international perspective. I'm on the bus that this should not be allowed. It's also something that's collectively bargained, so the players have a say in this also. 
Uh, they shouldn't they shouldn't be doing it. The league shouldn't be doing it. Teams shouldn't be allowed to do it. We're talking about sixty eight million annually of a seventy million dollar contract that will not appear on the books for the Dodgers. That they will defer until after the ten years that he plays. Um, I don't think it's right. I, I to me, it's the equivalent of kind of going back to uh, college football before there were scholarship limitations. And Bear Bryant could have 200 players on scholarship if he wanted. You could do that now with NIL. You could have 170 yeah. guys on your roster and have incredible depth and take from other programs and not count them as scholarships. Well, this is the Dodgers with the highest paid guy ever, not really counting his scholarship, not counting his contract. And that's going to help them with their ability to sign other guys. I don't think it's right. I think it's smart. I think it's very um, selfless of uh, of Otani to do this, and it's a smart move. And the reports are he suggested it, yeah, and he wanted to do it so they could add better players uh, around him. So I, look, I think it's and it's a it's the competitive thing to do for them, and the smart competitive thing to do for the rest of the league. And just from a league standpoint, I hate it. He is the highest earner off the field of any player. Yeah, so it's an easy choice. Forty five million a year. Yeah, so I mean, if and he's going to get twenty. Right over the course of this contract, he's not, he's deferred all payment through uh, starting in 2034. Right, mm-hmm. that's when the payments begin. Uh, a total of what 600 and whatever million. Uh, I'm, I'm at, at worst, they need to put a cap on how much money can be deferred. There is no cap on that. There's no limit on what the player could do. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking at the the tax credit and the luxury tax and all that stuff too. I mean, it's it's crazy what the top players can do, and it, it, it's really, obscene. And there's only a handful of those dudes. It's obscene. It's also kind of a loophole that I think most just common sports fans, when they saw the headline, thinking they can do that. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. And it's because it's really not. What I what I take from this is the Angels organization is so bad. A guy was willing to give up six hundred eighty million dollars ten years down the line just to win now. Well, he's gonna he's gonna get all that money eventually. But yeah, that that is that probably true also. Now the Angels were making twenty million dollars in marketing just by having him on the roster. So then you ask, well, what is he worth to the Dodgers? Is it thirty million? I said this yesterday. They 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 yeah. value it double what he was making. He was making between ten to twenty million. The Angels were. And it's projected that the Dodgers will make between thirty and forty million annually off of the marketing aspect. Yeah, and that's good. Otani. That's good to offset what they're paying him, but yeah. it doesn't change the fact that they're not paying him for the next ten years. So while he's actually a player for the Dodgers, they're really not paying him at all. They're just making money off of him. Then they'll pay him a decade from now. And and then the new te- the new TV and streaming contracts this. will come, where the Dodgers will be compared to the others, the haves and the have-nots. They'll make more than that forty million annually off of marketing. Doesn't pass the smell test. Top headlines next.